0: <laughs> Anyways, so we're on a thing called the Purple Pig Tour uh, with Lou Engel, Jesse, and Brian and all them uh, going up traveling through California, through college campuses, just bringing the word and, uh, and, and speaking about uh, prayer. And we're in the van, you know, any, you know, it takes you so long to get to one point of California to another. It's, it's, I don't even know how they do it. God bless California. Um, but we're in the van, and Jesse starts. Jesse Engel, he's driving. He's like, I don't know how it came up, but he's like, man, you got to hear these impressions of Corey that this guy Ross, a drummer, does at IHOP. And so they start going through it. And Jesse's like, hey, Dana, baby. Get up to the keyboard, Dana. Drop some bombs in my spirit. And anyway, so, anyways, it was so funny. The van was erupting, loo's erupting. Everybody's laughing. We called Russ. Ross. Just to do the impression over the phone in California, He it. It was so good. It sounded so much like you. Awesome.
1: I never heard that story. That's absolutely amazing. Ross, yeah, the purple pig. That's why I'm wearing my purple shirt tonight. But um, um, Ross is actually hilarious. We had our um, we had like a ten uh, year anniversary at IHOP and. We had a bunch of different people that were acting different uh, roles of leaders. And Ross, it's the funniest thing I've ever... S- yeah, I think Mike pretty much deleted all content out there on the YouTube world. But uh, it was so funny that Ross gets on there acting like me and talking about dropping bombs in your spirit. In five days, it's going to go off. And the whole time, he's just shaking his head. I don't know how close he was, but it's funny. So... um Awesome. Well, I love you guys, and I've just got this, you know, I just, you guys are with some good company here, man. I, I just absolutely love Bethany and Daryl and the team here. You guys got some special, special people that are leading this thing. I want you to know that. They are very dear to the heart of the Lord. I've got this just fixed uh, thing, and before I really ever met, Bethany was at the, uh, the, the, Na- the call Nashville, and there was a lot of good things that happened on that day, but something, watching her on her knees, talking to God in that stadium was the most impactful thing to me that day, was hearing her pray to God. Before I ever met her, the way she talked to God and prayed told me everything I needed to know about her. And uh, it wrecked me so deeply. I never probably even told her that, but it so wrecked me that I would go, oh, my God, this woman knows God. And when she's talking to him, it's, it's bigger than a stadium. She could care less whether she's on a stage or in a, in a in an alone room she's moving heaven. And so I'm just, and just the most beautiful people. And I just think Daryl is so cute and he's so beautiful. I do. I just start gushing with affection when I look at him. I go, he is so cute and, and he's so hungry and he's so sincere. And it just, that purity is what just sets the atmosphere in this room. I remember it last time I was raving about it forever, man. You guys, anyway, these are one of those places where every time I get around, I'm like, Dana, baby, We might just need to move here (laughs) if life wasn't so expensive in Boston. But anyway, they call Kansas City the cheapest big city in the nation to live in. So anyway, I'll do whatever the Lord tells me to do, but um, pray that in. (laughs) Awesome. All right, well, turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 1, Psalm 1. I, I do want to encourage you guys, we got a CD that's about three weeks old, and, uh, uh, and if you've ever heard my preaching CDs before, people I got a CD, it's not me singing, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Dana does several songs on my previous ones, as well as Laura Hackett, we got ones we've done Days of Noah, Ancient Paths, Eyes Open, but the newest one that's about three weeks old is called Ask of Me, and it's actually based out of the word I'm going to preach tonight. Um, I, um, that the Lord just wrecked me with for pretty much all of 2014 into 15 was, uh, uh, this reality of Psalm one and two and, uh, um, I, out of it, we do live messages with music and beats behind it and it will make you pull your car over. Who wants it? Who wants to pull the car over? Cause I can't drive. All right. You get it, ma'am. Right there. <laughs> there you go. Give it to her. Yeah. Yeah. Bless you. Awesome. All right, Father, we just love you so much. We're just so honored to be here. And just as Bethany said, God, we just say thank you for letting us be in the room (laughs) when you walk into the room. God, thank you that we get to be in the room when you walk in the room. (laughs) Father, we just say thank you for letting us be here, God. We could be in a thousand different places. You've been so kind and so merciful. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. We thank you that he received the punishment for our sins. We thank you that he has made us clean in his blood and he's made us righteous in your presence. We just thank you for right standing right now in the presence of God. That we're blessed with every blessing in heavenly places. That we stand before him holy and without blame before him in love. Hallelujah. Thank you that we've been forgiven, redeemed. We have an inheritance. We thank you for everything that we've received. And we just start this new year off with just praise and thanksgiving and honor for all that you've done. And we're so grateful that we get to be in the room. We're so grateful that we're here versus a bar tonight. We're so grateful that we're here versus in a crack home tonight. We're so grateful, God, that we're here. We ask you just to bless your word. We ask you to glorify it. And we ask you to release power and mark us tonight, Holy Spirit. Mark us tonight, Jesus. I ask you to do it. Amen. Well, good, good. Well, I want to share a word that pretty much the Lord's been wrecking in me. I I wasn't able to be with you in 2015 and not too much of 2014. And during that whole time, God was wrecking me with this word. And I knew it in my heart. The next time I get to Boston, I got to preach this word. So I've known it for a long time and the Lord's been burning on him. I've probably preached this 70 weekends. I got so wrecked by God with this. And I really believe he wants to touch us with it. Let's just look in Psalm 1. I want to read Psalm 1, but I'm ultimately getting us to Psalm 2. But you really can't separate Psalm 1 and 2 because they're sister passages and one feeds the other. And if you don't embrace Psalm 1, you're going to join the crowd of Psalm 2. If you don't embrace the Psalm 1 lifestyle, you will join the rage of Psalm 2 because you will either fall in love with his word or you will rage against his word. You will either submit to his word and delight in his word, or you will see his his word as cords and bonds that restrict you. They're either loving boundary lines or they're cords and bonds. And I'm calling forth. I believe that revival begins with a revival in the word of God. I want to tell you the most prophetic thing in the world is when a word jumps off these pages and lodges on the inside of you. It doesn't get much more prophetic than that. And you get caught up in the swirl of heaven, the emotions of heaven, the word of heaven, the faith of heaven, and you begin to see through his lens. I want to call us in 2016 to a revival in the word of God. Sit there long enough for the chaos and the traffic and the Boston chaos to settle down until you start hearing those words. Break through the peripheral into the core of your being. It'll take a second. We all need to go on a detox. Let's look at it. The first word of the book of Psalms is the word blessed. Everybody say blessed. blessed. Who wants to be blessed? That means to be happy or to be envied. Who wants an enviable life? Well, the psalmist says, well, then you need to make three decisions about people that you won't hang out with, places you won't stand, and a place you won't end up. You need to make hardcore decisions in your life. He says, blessed is the man, the woman, the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight, everybody say delight. Delight. Oh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates. Everybody say "Meditates." meditates day and night. But what's going to happen to this person, psalmist? I'm glad you asked, Corey. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. If there's anything we need in America in this hour, we need trees. We need trees who have broken through the surface, who have tapped into the underground water sources of the Holy Ghost, and who have got a rootedness and a stability, and who isn't swayed with every cool teaching that comes through. We need a generation to break through the surface and get a rootedness about their lives. And you don't get that at a McDonald's drive through It takes time. It takes days and weeks and months and years of beginning to break coming out of walking, standing, and sitting over here and beginning to go on a different progression of walking, standing, and sitting in a love affair with the Word of God. I want you to see in Psalm 1, it's a progression. We walk which ends up standing, which will ultimately end up sitting. And whichever you're walking with today, you'll end up sitting in tomorrow. The walking is more casual. The standing is more engaged, but the sitting is in full agreement. And I want to tell you in the midst of an election year, as the council of the ungodly, as the noise, the chaos, all of the, the noise and the hoopla and all the swirls that are going on around And even all the buzz that's going on around, there's an hour that we need in this hour to break our agreement from walking in the course of this world and beginning to get into a different progression. And that is falling madly in love with the Word of God. Do you love the Word of God? I know we're all supposed to. I'll touch it every once in a while. But do you know those seasons where you got phrases that you can't get off your mind? Those phrases to where your daydream or your getaway isn't another Netflix show. But it's getting stolen away with hours of thinking and reading and letting those words wash you. I want to tell you your inheritance is a love affair in the word of God. Your inheritance is to feel his word. Your inheritance is not mostly boredom in the word. It's mostly delight. It's mostly pleasure. It's mostly fascination. It's mostly divine entertainment to where his words move to a 10 on the inside of you while the noise of this culture moves to a 1. And you're not succumbing to the opinions and the values of this world, but you fall in love, madly in love with his word because whatever you delight in is what you'll submit to. And one of the ways... One of the ways to come underneath the leadership of the Word is for the Word to get off the pages and get into your mouth. Amen. Do you know the words that are going to change you the most? Not mine. Not Bethany's or not your favorite preacher and waiting for that next conference to come through. The words that will change you the most will be your own. When you hear you speak and sing God's Word to God, you are transformed the most. Uh, I, you do not hear me. The words that will change the most will be your own. When you hear you say and sing God's word to God, you are transformed the most. You are transformed at deep levels, and it begins to shift the atmosphere around your mind. That's why he says he meditates day and night. You know what that word means? It means to ponder while speaking to oneself. Which means a bunch of people that talk to themselves all the time. I mean, heck, there's weirdos walking these streets doing it anyway, but they're doing it in jacked-up ways. What would happen if we begin to have people beginning to speak the word of God? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. God, that I could begin to meditate in the morning. That I would meditate at noon. That I would meditate at night. That I would meditate that your, your word would be on my heart. Yeah, and the psalmist says to the man or the woman that gives themselves to talking the Bible back to Jesus. Because I'm here to tell you there's a man on the other side of the pages. There's a man on the other side of the pages that's waiting to be discovered. What's going to become? It says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers. Number two. He will bring forth its fruit in its season, which means don't judge prematurely. It will come forth. Don't judge it after a week. Don't judge it after a month. Begin to give yourself to a lifestyle of delighting and pleasure saying, God, deliver my soul from boredom and dullness and apathy and all of my ADD tendencies. God, I'm going to stay here, God, until I break through the surface into rivers underneath the surface, God. I want to touch the rivers under the source where the Holy Spirit and the Word explode on the inside of me. And I'm not going to judge it prematurely. Do not. He will bring forth their fruit in their season. He says they will bring forth. He goes this. Their leaf will not wither, which means in the coldest, the droughts, the famines, you will see this man, this woman, that will thrive even in the years of drought and famine. They will prosper even when everything else is dying. They will not become anxious when everything else is shriveling. Because their soul isn't locked in the stock market, it's locked in the council room of heaven. And it says, and whatever he does shall prosper. Who wants that promise on your life? Which means God co signs whatever check you write. God co signs whatever check you write. You know what that means? To a man or a woman that begins to prioritize a life of receiving His words. What happens when you begin to receive His words is you get impregnated with His desires. You get filled with the deep longings of his heart and it then becomes the dreams that are being lived through you and the things that you're beginning to live for, he begins to co-sign because it started with him. It started with him. It didn't start with you. Most of us are trying to get God to do what we want him to do because it's selfish. And he says, if you would take this posture, I would fill you and I would manifest my dreams through you and I'll co-sign whatever check you want. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and I will give it to you. Why? Because the word isn't living on you, it's living in you. And you're actually asking what he wants instead of trying to manipulate him into what we want. Well, what happens to a, a, to a person who does not embrace someone? What happens if we stay in that council? What happens if we stay in that path? What happens if we stay in that seat? What happens? What happens if we refuse to delight in the Word? I'm convinced with all my heart that if we do not embrace Psalm 1, we will join the chorus of Psalm 2. And that's what I want to get to tonight. And this is a pretty intense Psalm. It's the second most quoted Psalm in the, in the in, of the Old Testament in the New. Psalm 110 and Psalm 2 are two very important chapters for us in this hour. And they both speak on the same realities. David is a prophet, and and David is in a full-on visionary experience in Psalm 2. I want you to see that, and I want you to understand Psalm 2 like a four-part drama. Each scene has three verses, and there's four main actors in this drama. The first actor are the nations and the kings of the earth. The second actor is the father. The third actor is the son. And the fourth actor is David. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. David's caught into this visionary experience. And let's read verses 1 through 3. And he begins with the question, why? He says, why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. I want you to see that. David is looking at something and it doesn't make sense to his natural mind. He says, it's insanity, it's vanity, it's not going to work. But yet these people are in delusion. Nations are in delusion. People groups are in delusion. And then he highlights two specific groups. The kings of the earth. Presidents, heads of states, prime ministers, leadership on governmental levels. They are setting themselves. And then he sees the rulers taking counsel together. These are judges, but they're not also jud- they're not only jo- judges. They are the major players in nations. The major financial players. The major sports players. The major ones that shape culture, look at what they're doing. They are taking counsel together. And look at who are they declaring war on. Against the Lord and against his anointed. And they're saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and let's cast away their cords from us. This is intense. Those three verses are very intense. And it doesn't take a prophet or a prophet. It takes person with a half of a breath to note that that spirit is alive and well in the nations in 2016. We are living in an unprecedented time and this is only going to culminate until the coming of Jesus. I want you to understand that that what has begun to erupt over the last decades is only going to increase until the coming of the Lord. David is seeing this and he's asking the question why it doesn't make sense, it's not rational. And he's seeing leadership of nations, of of people, groups, of culture that are declaring full-on war against God. It's the pottery taking on the potter. It's the pottery taking on the potter. Saying, in essence, we want deliverance from you. We want deliverance from your leadership. We want deliverance from your king. And we want deliverance from your word. As I told you, you will either see God's word as loving boundary lines or you will see them as bonds and cords that restrict you from your personal freedoms. You will either see them as the loving boundary lines in which God has defined marriage between one man and one woman. You will either see them as the definitions of our sexuality or you will define them in the way you want to and you will throw off the cords and bonds so you can do what you want. And we are seeing that on a macro level, but beloved, we're finding that on the inside, this rage to say, I understand, it's clear. I'll come up with a thousand Bible verses, everybody can try to twist this thing, do whatever they want to with it, but the Bible still says it clearly. The Bible is very clear concerning grace, concerning the mercy of God. It doesn't allow you to live in compromise, it picks your butt up kicks you in the behind, and says you were made for something so much higher. And you can do all you want to with those Bible verses, but the Bible will still show up, it will talk straight to you, and it will say you were made for something so much more. Get out of this. But I want to make it what I want to. Uh Uh-uh. But we're seeing this on a macro level in the nations right now. We're seeing it against Israel. We're seeing it an anti-Semitic spirit that's rising in the nations. That is seeking for the annihilation. We're, seeking, we're seeing that Antichrist spirit that's raising in the nations. And David is looking at this and he goes, You guys are insane. It's like building a sandcastle all day knowing a wave is about to come in. And you guys have built a nice big old sandcastle, setting yourself saying, We'll take you down. He goes, There's one problem. It's already been decreed from eternity past. No one can stop it. No one can come against it. It's already been established. And that's why David is looking into this. and goes, why? But I, what I love about God is he wants us to feel the prophetic burden. Many of us will stay in verses 1 through 3, and we never get out of it. We stay in the second heaven's war. We stay caught up in whether it be CNN or Fox or this or that. We'll get caught up on Facebook in debates. We'll get caught up at the barbershop and talking to people all about it. And it's good that we feel it, but God doesn't leave David to deal with this from a horizontal level. He takes us up. He takes us up, but He wants you to feel it. The very next verse, the scene, the scene closes, and David's going, Why? And then the very next verse, it says, He who sits in the heavens. <laughs> I mean, we could just spend the rest of the night saying, In the heavens. He says, David, I want you to understand we're not going to engage this war from a horizontal level. I'm going to take you up into my vantage point, into my perspective, and I want to fill you with the confidence of heaven to understand where this story is going. it. I don't have time. There's so many things to talk about in only a couple of sessions, but I want to say to you right now, it is time to feed deeply on, th- on the throne room. It's time to take the throne room encounters of the Bible, Revelation 4, Daniel 7, Ezekiel 1. Look at the throne room encounters, Isaiah 6, and begin to meditate on the throne and begin to set your eyes on that heavenly reality. Swim against the current that's seeking to pull your mind into the here and now and get connected to the eternal reality. He who sits in the heavens, because if you don't get in the heavens, verses 1 through 3 will drown you in hopelessness, despair, and and all kinds of fear. And this is no hour for the church to be in fear and hopelessness and despair. It's an hour for the church to have the right vantage point. Now, what does the father feel about nations that are seeking to steal his son's inheritance? What does the father feel? I mean, we got any fathers of sons in here? Yeah, one of you. And the father is looking upon nations that are seeking to overthrow his son's rule and his son's city, and it says that he who sits in the heavens, what does he do? He laughs. That's the most terrifying laugh in history. That's not a funny laugh. That's a you guys are outside your minds laugh. You guys, this will never work. It's a laugh like you guys don't know what's coming. Verse 2, it says that he will hold them in derision. Verse 3, he's going to speak to them in his wrath, In verse 4, in the next one, it says that he will distress them in his deep displeasure. I want you to feel the heart of the father right here. It would be like a father that works. It would be like some of you working 70 years to build a company, to multi-million dollar company, and then some thugs come in and try to kill you and your son and steal everything that you've labored for to give to your son. And this father says not in a million years. That city and that king has already been declared. He says, I'm laughing. I'm going to hold you there, distress you there, and speak to you a painful revelation. I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I want to declare over Cambridge and over Boston and over the Northeast tonight that Jesus Christ is set In heavenly Zion right now, far above every principality and power, that he has the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue confesses, Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, he is the King. He is installed, enthroned on heavenly Zion right now. And the Father declares it, get over it. I've already said him. He has been set through his death and resurrection and ascension. He has been set. He's not wavering. It's not a shakable throne. He's set. He has been set, but I'm here to declare to you tonight, the king is coming back, and he's going to be enthroned and installed as king on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Now let's just attack some unbelief in here for a second. Who would here really believes that baby was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem? We just celebrated it at Christmas. Do you believe it? Are you sure Mary didn't figuratively give birth to Jesus in her heart? No, she screamed and a baby boy came out. It wasn't a figurative boy. It wasn't a symbolic boy. It was a boy. Do you believe that that same young boy grew up and then after 33 years, climbed up on a cross and died for the sins of the world. You sure? Do you, are you sure? Muslims believe he didn't die. That he was taken off last second. And Judas was put in his place. Do you believe that he died? You're telling me that he really died on a cross. Do you believe that? Sure he wasn't figurative. Wasn't symbolic. No, he died on the cross, the lamb slain for the sins of the world. Do you believe that he was buried for three days? You sure? Do you believe he came out of the grave like he said he would after three days? You're telling me a man that's been dead for three days came out of a grave after being dead for three days? You're telling me a huge angel came down, removed a stone, and he walked right out? Yes, yes, he did. Who in here knows that Jesus then had a, who in here believes that Jesus had a 40-day conference with over 500 in a resurrected body? We know about that one? That'd be a good conference. The resurrected man who teaches on the kingdom of God. I guess he doesn't sleep. I'd have just gone 40 days living on catnaps. What would have been that? What, nobody ever talks about those 40 days. And who in here believes that after those 40 days, a cloud came, picked him up, and took him up? Do you believe that? Raise your hand if you believe that. Do you? All right, good, good. You're telling me a cloud. Now, cloud is just water. You're telling me a cloud picked a man up and took him up somewhere up there. And what, (laughs) what did the... And they're all looking up to heaven. And what did those angels say when they were looking up? They go, why are you looking up? (laughs) Well, angels, we're not used to this. This is cool. I know you guys are used to this. We're not. Men getting picked up with clouds and taken to locations up there. They go, in the same way he went up, he's coming down. He's coming down. He's coming down. There is a king who is coming. There is the president of your dreams that's coming. There is the ruler of your dreams who is coming. There is the man that's coming. He's coming. He's coming. It's not make-believe and it's not symbolic. It's not figurative. He's coming. He's coming to openly manifest... Zeal against all forms of injustice. He's going to eradicate all evil and he's going to establish his kingdom and make Jerusalem his oval office. I'm for real. He's going to establish his throne from Mount Zion and the father declares it saying you guys are not going to win. I've already installed it. I've already decreed it. He is set and he's going to be set. enthroned as the son of David as king over the nations. I love the Father saying, I have set my king on my holy hill. I have set my king on my holy hill. And I'm here to declare to you now that we can walk in the victory of the enthroned king right now. Because the kingdom is here and the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is here and the kingdom is coming. We can walk in kingdom now realities of releasing the power of the kingdom against sickness and against demons and against unbelief. We can see kingdom break-ins of a revival spirit. Touch Cambridge. These universities are nothing before the mighty king. As he dashes all enemies to pieces. He openly confronts all zeal against unrighteousness. And I love the father. I have set my king. It's set. The scene closes with father all feisty. The next scene opens and who do we see? We see Jesus. We get to see the king priest in full operation. We get to see the one who is in the order of Melchizedek ruling his way. How does this king rule? When you see rage, when you see chaos, when you see confusion, and you see the father openly declaring, I've set my king, where do we find Jesus? Where do we find him? Where do we find him ruling? We find him in the prayer room. We find him in the prayer room. and he, Jesus comes on the scene. I love verses 7 through 9. You want to get it tattooed on you. It's in your spirit. It'd be too long if it was on your body. Run down your toes. He says, I will declare the decree. Come on, come on, get this. I don't know about ESVE. I'm talking to New King James right now. But I will declare. I'm going to tell you the way I read it. My Bible. I will declare, hallelujah. There's no place like home. It's like somebody else has been sleeping in my bed. Yeah, I get that. All right. I will declare the decree. Get a hold of this. Jesus comes on the scene. You got to get this. I will now declare what Father has decreed. That's the first words out of his mouth. And I'm going to openly declare what Father has decreed. And what is the first, look at this. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten of you. Next verse. He says, ask of me. And I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Go back to the previous one. He says, I will declare the decree. Come on, lock in with me here. Because this is where you and I come into the story. This is where you and I come into the story. I'm here to tell you, first off, David is getting to overhear God the Father talking to God the Son in the eternal councils. How many greater moments do you get? There's only three times in the Gospels to where the Father openly spoke to the Son. David's getting to hear it right here. He says... He is getting to hear a conversation in the eternal councils between the Father and the Son. And the Son comes forward and He says, I'm going to declare the decree. And I want you to understand, if you put your faith in Jesus, this isn't just Jesus' story. This is your story. And this is your reality not just what Jesus is hearing because what Jesus has done as a man he has gathered us up into himself and what he is doing before the throne he is now inviting you and me off the back row of Christianity into the holy place of intercession to begin to ask the father for everything he has decreed everything he has decreed everything he has decreed because the father wants to give Jesus his inheritance in Boston in Cambridge in Massachusetts, in this region, and you get to partner as the body of Christ in asking the Father for Jesus' inheritance. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. I'm here to tell you right now, intercession begins with what have you heard from the Father? Intercession does not begin with you informing God of your shopping list you need Him to do in your life. It doesn't begin with you informing Him. You will only believe for what you hear. No, let that settle. You will only believe for what you hear. You will only believe in what you hear. Jesus hears things from the Father, and He's going to now speak back to the Father what Father has already declared over Him. He says, the Lord has said to me. It begins with Father speaking to you. And what is the first revelation that the Father thunders over the church? What's the first revelation that the Father thunders over the church? You are my sons and you are my daughters. It's the revelation of our sonship in Christ. Come on, guys. Move with me tonight. Sonship in Christ. Do you understand? Because this is a revelation we need. I love the embrace of Abba Father. But it's not just to hold me at a distance. It's to bring me into the family business of intercession. I want you to understand some of you were born into doctors' homes and lawyers' homes and nurses' homes and teachers' homes. You've been born into an intercessor's family. That's what we do in the kingdom. We ask. The Lord has said to me, What has the Lord spoken to you? What's the Lord spoken to you about your own life? Who in here has dreams have broken into you? Maybe about your own life, your family, or this region. Huh? Has dreams broke in? Have you had words jump off these pages and you knew it wasn't some historical moment, but it was a word living in 2014, 15, 16? Has that ever happened to you? Raise your hand if that's true, where words have jumped off the pages, where you've had dreams or visions, where you had something in your heart then someone confirms it by speaking it to you. Or something random. Has that happened? When God speaks, He isn't doing it so you can run around saying He spoke. He speaks to bring you off the back row of Christianity and to bring you into intimacy with His heart. And whenever God speaks, it's an invitation into partnership with Him. He's he's awakening you to things that are burning in His heart, and He wants to do it with you. Whenever God speaks to you something, He is speaking that something that He wants to do with you and through you. And that's why He invites us off the back row and saying, Now come talk to me about what I said I want to do. Come talk to me. Okay. Lord, you said. You would awaken and that you would send revival to these campuses. Father, send revival to these campuses. He goes, Good. I'm going to release it in measures. I'm going to keep releasing it. Keep talking to me. Keep talking to me. Keep talking to me. And watch it grow and grow and grow and grow. And he'll release breakthroughs. And just when you try to quit, he'll speak again. I'm serious. I'm convinced revival's coming. One of the reasons I'm convinced revival's coming is whenever I try to quit and do life as normal, he ends up speaking again and wrecking me all over again. He says, Huh, I'm not going to let you live in that. You're made to believe, to be tender, and to believe in the promises. <laughs> he says, the Lord has said to me, you are my son. He wants to thunder over you, your belovedness. He wants to thunder over you, because I'm here to tell you right now, when you once you get into Father's house, it's an atmosphere of faith. It's an atmosphere of prayer. It's an atmosphere of inheritance. And when you get awakened to what is yours in Christ, you start asking big. You start believing big. You start declaring big. He wants to break off an orphan mentality off your life. He wants to break off that fatherlessness. He wants to break off that orphan mentality that says you're only defined by how hard you work for the father. Or how much you do. Or what you've done recently. Or you're defined by your track record of your recent sins. I'm here to tell you you are the beloved of the father. That you are enjoyed by the father. That you are the apple of his eye. And that you hide under the shadow of his wings. He declares and he openly declares your belovedness in the sight of everybody else. You are accepted in God. And his blood is stronger than your recent failure. Some of you went home for break. And you went and did stupid stuff that you said you'd never do. And now yeah, you're going to work your way back and do a new relationship with God. And the Lord would do something like smack you and say, stop it. Would you just sit here long enough and let me wash you in my blood. And let me wash you. Talk to me. Look at me. Let me cleanse you and wash you and break off all that performance drivenness. You are my son. If Jesus has to hear it, how much more do you think you need to hear it? If Jesus had to hear it at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry, how much more do you think you need to hear it? Every day. I want to wake up with skies parting. And he goes, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But Father, I haven't done anything yet. Jesus hears belovedness before he does one miracle. He hears belovedness before he preaches a message. He hears belovedness before he heals anybody. Because Father is openly declaring, it's not what you do that makes you beloved. It's who you are that makes you beloved. And you'll do what you do out of the revelation of who you are. You've got to sit long enough for all the lies and the shame and the guilt to break off you like manure that's been, I call it, demonic vomit that has been on the windshields of our interior life. <laughs> we need, y'all ever, had, y'all ever come out in the mornings and the birds just had a diarrhea fest on your window shields? I think of many believers, that's what their interior lives look like. It's called the accuser of the brethren. No, no, I'm not playing. Do you know that one of the devil's titles in Revelation 12 is called the accuser of the brethren? And he stands day and night before the throne and he has an occupation and that's lying. Lying to God about you, lying to you about God, lying to you about you and lying to you about each other. And he creates demonic webs of accusation And the sad thing is that most of us in this room spend more time agreeing with accusation than we do agreeing with truth. And one of the ways that we break agreement with accusation is by declaring the truth, the truths of God, the truths of who we are to God, and the truths of the promises of God. We're going to get out of the accusation room and we're going to get into the agreement room. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you're my son. And then he says this, ask of me. He says, son, you see those nations that are raging? Ask me for them. And I'll give them as your inheritance. Do you know what that tells us? Your greatest places of warfare are to become your greatest places of inheritance. Ask of me, I'll give nations. Ask of me, I'll give nations. Nations. I love seeing the international flavor of this own company as well as Boston. The nations are gathering. What a place to begin to ask for nations. What a place to begin to ask for nations. What is, that, that was the word that I preached in 2014. God gave me one word, inheritance. Inheritance. What is your Inheritance. Because all of us have small inheritances caught up in Jesus' global inheritance. You've got to understand that we're small parts of His global receiving from the Father, and we're all parts in the drama. That's what I love is that me getting to partner with Jesus is Jesus praying for His inheritance through me. Through me. He's knit your souls to Cambridge, He's knit your souls to these campuses. He's knit you to these campuses because Jesus wants his inheritance here. And he's going to keep asking through you. It's called the spirit of prayer coming through you. Ask of me. An amazing ask of me, ask of me, ask of me. It's almost like it doesn't make sense. Nations raging, chaos, confusion, global conspiracies, and we have Jesus in a prayer room hearing he's loved and asking Father for everything that Father's promised. It's the most anti cultural and swimming against the culture is that most of us get caught in the frenzy of Facebook, Fox, CNN and the whole world out here and the Lord says come off the fringes of the storm and get into the eye of the storm. Get into that holy conversation and begin to hear the voice of truth washing you and begin to see inheritance through my lens. Come out of the fringes and get into the eye. That's why he says when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Because he knew you'd try to get out. <laughs> he says you need to lock it, bar it, put some wood up against it. Because you're going to go through a detox. Worse than a heroin addict in a, in, a, in a detox rehab will be a man or a woman that's so doped up on the stimuli of this culture. Beginning to hear from the Father and talk to the Father. I myself included. And for our first couple we weeks, we look worse than a heroin addict. We're so jacked up on the candy stimuli of this culture. The Lord is beckoning us. I want to tell you, I believe there's grace to do it. That's why he's establishing prayer rooms. Because I need help. You need help. I need it alone, and I need it with you. And I need you to sing my songs back to me when I forget it. I need singers that would quiet me in his love. Slow the traffic. Dial it down. Jesus. Asking me, what's your inheritance? Come on, just a few more minutes. What's your inheritance? I boiled it down. I'm his inheritance. I pray this all the time. Father, give me to Jesus. (laughs) Do you know you're the wedding gift to the son anyway? Do you know you're the son's wedding gift and the father is preparing you and the spirit, the glad worker, is preparing you with those garments for your wedding day? I say, give me as an inheritance. My marriage is my inheritance. My marriage is my inheritance. My family is my inheritance. Beloved, I want to tell you like no other time, marriages and families are under such assault. And I believe that God is, we we, we are under the great, the Malachi 4 reality of the spirit of Elijah that's breaking in to turn the hearts of fathers to children. Isn't that amazing that, I mean, he's going to send Elijah and he's going to turn hearts towards one another in family units. And we can pray for revival everywhere else, but he wants to release it in our homes, in our marriages. The Days of Noah, I, I talked about it for years. I did my first CD on the Days of Noah, and I preached. I was going somewhere to do a Days of Noah conference, and I'm like, God, Noah preached for 120 years, and nobody but his family got saved. I was a little, little offended over it. I said, man, that would be a tough one. And then he spoke it back to me. He says, but his family got saved. He says, and that will be my sign in the last days, is that I'm going to release revival in families. And I'm going to do something... I'm going to do something with family units, and those will be the arcs that come through the worst of storms and come through the other side and make fresh covenant with
2: God. Take it. Take it. Begin to ask the Father. Don't
1: look for a quick bailout scheme when things get tough. Go after your son or your daughter. Go after your parents. Go after your spouse. Win them in intercession. Win them and serve them and fight for them. Proverbs says, greater than a man who takes a city is a man who takes his own soul. Which means lock in here as well as you're locking out there. Ask me, I'll give inheritance. My family, my marriage, my city, my region, my calling. What is your inheritance? What is it that God has spoken to you? You know, I'm not having this is the great thing about all of this. I don't you don't have to come up with stuff. He's already started the conversation. He's just waiting for you to come to the prayer room and talk to him about it. Show up, sit down, and say it back to him. And don't stop. Ever. what's my inheritance? Because Psalm 2 is revival praying. I don't have time to go into it tonight. I've gone way too long. But you know in Acts 4, John and Peter just got set free from the Sanhedrin. And they come back to the early church and they go, they raise their voice to God and they go, you know what? We're in the midst of a Psalm 2 hour. You go, you know what? Pontius Pilate is surrounding us. The Gentiles are surrounding us. The Jews are surrounding us. And we know that in Psalm 2, when there's chaos and rage and warfare... We know in those hours, that's the season to begin to ask for inheritance. They go, now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders would be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And the place where they were assembled together was shaken. A building like this starting to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, it says in Psalm 2 that he will break them like pottery. Dash them to pieces. You know what they said in Acts 4? They go, you know what? We want you to put the rod in our mouth called the anointing on the gospel. That when we preach the gospel, that you would back it up and release the dashing to pieces of sin, sickness, demons, that you would dash demons to pieces like potter pottery. Ha. I was, I was hearing Daryl and them talk today about a spirit of deliverance. I'm feeling deliverance in my bones. We're moving into a season of deliverance. I release that over you. There's a season of deliverance coming. I've never shared it here. I think I'd shared it some the last time I was with you, but my inheritance, I'm have asking the Lord, go, God, what's my inheritance? What is it, my inheritance? And you guys know this. We got, and I've shared it with you the last time. I want to share it again for the new crowd, but, but in 2000, we got so wrecked. I got so wrecked by a, a famous interse- or an intercessor by the name of Daniel Nash, who forran a lot of Charles Finney's revivals in the 1820s and 30s. Uh, Charles Finney's uh, uh, upstate New York campaigns this man for about a seven year period Daniel Nash would forerun Charles Finney's revival campaigns and would labor in intercession several weeks before Finney would come to town and would labor in intercession along with several other guys for the breakthrough in the heavenlies for the word of God to run swiftly they understood the principle of intercession and preaching together and from 1824 to 31 it was the greatest power in Finney's uh, revival campaigns Several months after Daniel Nash died, Finney's revivals, uh, itinerant at that level began to decrease. I got so wrecked with his life. I'm like, God, let's, let, let's have a son, and I want to name him Nash. So on June 26, 2012, Josiah Nash Russell was born. We called him Nash. and Oh, man, we have three beautiful daughters, and the Lord brought our son. And for nine months, he was with us. And then on March 16, 2013, he went to be home with the Lord. I was in London. Dana was with the girls in Arkansas, and he fell asleep, and he didn't wake up from his nap. It's been the most intense three years of our life. It's an understatement. The earthquakes, the foundations, the, the shaking at the deepest levels. But out of it all, he passed on March 16th, and I preached for years, John 3, 16. That God will release a great harvest. I'm like God. I got to connect with your storyline. I got to see what are you doing. I understand what Nash means to me. He's a hidden intercessor for the breaking of revival. What are you doing? Well, I had a dream. Uh, A friend sent me a dream about a year and a half ago that so wrecked me, and and I knew actually I was to speak it here, but I hadn't been here in the time, so I, I I wanted to speak this dream. Is that in this dream, the church was under siege. It was a Psalm two moment. And it was the enemy was surrounding the church, and we had all run into a church building because we didn't know what to do as the intensity of darkness began to increase. We were in a place of confusion and chaos, and the Psalm 2 reality was uh, increasing. Well, in the dream, I walked in with Alan Hood, a good friend, and we walked in, and I was excited in the dream. And I go, these are the days we've been waiting on. And, and, And in the dream, the spirit of prophecy comes out of my friend, and he begins to prophesy to me. And he says, for every one voice of awakening, I'm going to raise up seven voices of intercession. He says, for every one voice of awakening, God's going to raise up seven voices of intercession. And then in the dream, this guy said this to me. He says, I've given Lou Engle the Nazarites. But now I'm about to raise up the Nasherites, And I'm about to raise up a hidden army of hidden intercessors. That whether anybody knows their name or their face, whether they ever touch a stage or whatever they do with their life, they will have a profound revelation that when they lift their eyes and their voice to heaven, all of heaven will shake. And they will birth the promises of God. And that we will begin to see a revival spirit by a bunch of unknown people who understand that profound revelation. I'm here to tell you right now, God is releasing that Nasherite spirit. It's not a biblical term, it's a biblical reality. It's called revival intercessors. It's called revival intercessors. He's delivering us from stages. He's delivering us from, oh, if I could only get up there. And he's beginning to give us a revelation of what happens when I live. And that I cannot get more powerful than I am right here before the throne of God. And that when I ask the Father for what he said, he is moving at the sound of my voice. Because I said it, and it didn't start with me, it started with him. That's the revelation that's coming to the church regardless of stages or any of that. It's the revelation that heaven moves when I speak and sing the promises of God. He's going to fill prayer rooms. He's going to fill homes. He's going to fill schools. He's going to fill businesses. He's going to release a virus. Guys, I want to tell you there's something stronger than Ebola that's getting out. There's something stronger, a stronger pandemic. And you need to be more afraid of this one than Ebola. It's called the virus of zeal for his house. It's called a virus and that thing will eat you up. It will eat you up. It will eat you up. It will dip into your schedule, into your dream life, into what you thought you would do after retirement. It will dip into your, downsize your life. It will make you sell stuff and do crazy stuff when that thing starts eating you up. Not counting what you can do the least amount and still stay in the kingdom. You go, How much can I give to you, God? Thank you for letting me be here. I want you to have a resting place in this region, God. I want these campuses to come underneath the manifest presence of God. I want your word to topple down humanism and every atheistic demon topple down every antichrist demon with the revelation that Christ is enthroned on heavenly Zion and that he's coming. And I'm convinced that the Psalm 2 intercession begins with the Psalm 1 reception and a delight in the word of God. Because the word you fall in love with will be the word that shakes heaven when you ask him. That's really intercession is God moving because he hears his own sound through you. It's, only, it's all from him, through him, and to him. You get to be conduits.
2: <laughs> Isn't that good? Jesus.
1: He wants to release the spirit of intercession upon your life. Some of you, it looks like, guys, I want to say to you right now, I believe I'm grateful for private devotional prayer life. But I believe that private devotional prayer life is not enough to carry us through the coming storm. We need corporate histories of prayer and fasting. We need corporate families of prayer and fasting that we can do this with. I'm grateful for sitting on the back deck, watching the deer eat, and reading up most for his highest. But we've got to move into a corporate experience. We need a spirit of prayer to come upon us as we begin to ask for the promises. We need to band together and begin to ask for our families. Ask for our marriages. Ask for our children. Declare the promises of God. I've been declaring Isaiah 54. You said that my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. Hallelujah. Let's just stand. I don't have time to go into it tonight. Well, David comes in the last scene and he pretty much... In essence, looks around at everybody and says, Now be wise, you kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. Bow down before the sun. David comes forth and says, Go low, kings. Don't this is not an hour to pump your chest. It's not an hour to flaunt your strength and flaunt your, your plans. It's an hour to go low and bow before the sun. Some of us, the Lord wants to begin to break us out of walking in the counsel of the ungodly. He wants to get us out of the path of sinners. I want to tell you, I'll tell you your future is by the people you're running with today. Well, you're like, well, he's been my best friend since this long. And I'm saying this is an hour we need to break Walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Break walking in the path of sinners. I don't want to run with people that are asking, how much can I do and still stay a Christian? How much alcohol can I drink and still be saved? How far can I go with someone before it's considered sex? This is not an hour to be asking what you can get away with and still stay saved. This is an hour of saying, God, how much can I be consumed by the fire of God? How much can the grace of God lay hold of my life? How how much, God, how, how much of a spirit of prayer that I would become prayer, that a grace of fasting would rest upon my life, that the word of God would be my number one source of entertainment. I want a holy consecration to come upon my life. Fire! Just open up your hands all over the room. Some of you Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Release that fire of consecration. He's releasing Nazarite consecration. Yes, and he's releasing that Nazarite spirit of prayer. Yes,
2: oh, Ho! Ho! Crease your fire, Holy Spirit. Yeah.
1: Just all over the room. Just begin to pray in the spirit. All over the room. Oh. Crease your fire. There's fire in this room. He wants to release a fire on your heart 2016. Fire. 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 It's not my word like a fire. It's not my word like a hammer. He wants to release the fire to the coldness of your heart. Ask Him for the fire to the coldness of your heart. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Fire! Yeah. I want fire all my life, God. I want a spirit of prayer to come upon me.
2: I want the fire on the altar. Yeah.
1: Just look at him. Set your eyes on the throne. Ask of me, says the Lord. I want to release your inheritance. Yeah, yeah. He's coming to fire. Yeah.
3: Fire. Fire. Yeah, yeah.
2: Ha. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh. Ah. Visit them, God. Oh. Ah. Oh. Together, let's let's pray. Lift your hands and ask. Oh. Oh. Fire!
3: Fire!
2: Fire! Fire.
1: Yeah. Visionary. Fire! Do it again, God. Do it, in Cambridge.
2: Fire. What you did in the Book of
3: Acts?
2: your spirit burn for you I want to burn for you I want to burn Jesus, pour out. Let's sing this. Your spirit pour out. us, come baptize. Us. How high, how deep, how wide it is. We wanna know how high, how deep, how wide it is. Tender.
3: Yeah! Yeah!
1: yeah just receive right now his fire he's tenderizing us tonight in his fire he's awakening us in his fire
2: increase your fire god increase the spirit of burning oh god inflame our hearts oh god set us on fire 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 fall more in love with you let us fall more in love with you let
3: us fall more in love
2: fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. I want more. Come on. Come on. Lift your hands to the Lord. I want more. I want more. Pour it out. And I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul.
3: And the things you take that can't control. I want more.
2: lift your voice to the Lord
3: Speak to sing
2: in the spirit Isn't so, yes, God. Yes. Jesus Sataya Rabo Soto, your Katai, who Rabba
1: commune with them all over the room. Jesus, (laughs)
2: Jesus, overflow,
3: overflow, <laughs> yeah.
1: Holy spirit. spirit, right now we're just going to, just want the, 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 the band just to keep playing. Yeah, just keep playing and, and, and really even the anointing that's breaking in right now of the I really feel like this is the word to us. It says in Zephaniah 3 that the Lord is going to rejoice over them with singing and he will quiet them in his love. And God is silencing the traffic on the inside and this is his word to us where we could hear his voice again and reconnect with his heart and live from the inside out again. I want to continue to worship. We're just going to I want to I want to pray for some people. The Lord, you feel like the Lord's doing a deep work within you feel like the Lord's resting on you with fire or you're just feeling that, just saying, Lord, I just want to reconnect. Psalm 1 and 2, it's speaking right to me. I want to align my heart to heaven to come away from certain things and to begin to go on a journey of falling in love with the Word of God and and beginning to ask the Father for my inheritance, beginning to engage in my inheritance, beginning to come off the sidelines and begin to believe the promises of God over my life. You want to come back into that in a, in a fresh way. We want to pray for you right now. I'm just going to continue to minister. You sit here as long as you want. We've got a long time. You can soak in the presence. If you need to go, we bless you in that. Get some products on the way out. But if you would like to receive prayer, you do you come up here and we want to pray for you right now. If we could just maybe move this back row back. We want to pray for you. If you'd like to receive prayer, just come up. release your fire tonight. Just come make some lines up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, My Russian friends, just go ahead and make a line right here. Just make a line right here. We're going to pray for everybody. Let's just open up our hands. Father, we just thank you for your fire. And when he releases the fire like this, it's tenderizing us. He's tenderizing us in his fire. Isaiah 4 talks about a spirit of burning. And it says, your eyes will see the king. It says, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. And he wants to release fire to tenderize you and illumine you to the beauty of Jesus. To receive his word and to burn up the dross and the religion and the coldness and the indifference. His word burns. Ha! His word tenderizes. His word inflames his fire. So, Father, I just ask you for a fresh release of your fire. Release that illumination, that spirit of revelation, a spirit of prayer. I want to see the promises. Hear the promises. I want to feel your love. Release your flame in the name of Jesus.
2: Fire! Ah! hallelujah yes fire fire, fire. fire. Oh.
1: receive the fire receive the fire receive the fire
2: fire
1: oh I saw the Lord doing it on several tonight of even the seraphim those burning creatures around the throne They burn and they proclaim. Release the burning ones, God, in Cambridge. Release the burning ones in Boston. Release it on Harvard, God, and MIT, BU, and BC, God. Release it on Emerson, God. Fire! Yeah, 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 yeah. Every campus coming under the fire of
2: God. Yeah. Burn away. Higher. 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 Oh. Oh. Let the nations be set aflame. Let the nations be on a fire. Let the Russians come on fire. Oh. Oh! Yes, sing over us, Daryl. There's fire. 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 Let your wind blow. Let your glory come down. Come on, let's sing this. Every promise, God. Everything you've spoken. Do
3: it. Do it.
2: Oh. Let the glory come down. oh, 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 oh,
3: Loves you. Be ha. Ha. Ha.
2: Ha. Yeah.
1: Fire. Fire. Oh! Let your glory come. Lift your hands again. Ask him. Fire. Mark her, God. She's made to be a visionary seer, God. Take her up into that realm of heaven. Oh.
2: Oh. Fire. 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 Oh. The Lord has said to me, Open His ears, God. us. Yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> There's nations in you. Ah. I love Abby. I love
3: Linda. Oh! Oh.
2: Fire. Oh! Fire. 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 Fire.
3: Intercessor.
2: Intercessor. 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 What do you hear? What do you see? Intercessor. Oh! Watchman, what do you see? She's scary. <laughs> In a good way. Fire! Me oh, in Oh! Fire! I'll pray for you even though you got that Tom Brady jersey on. <laughs> in in
3: house, fire! fire. fire. Hallelujah! Through. Jesus ah, moving in the night rest in the ground, in our homes, oh, in this place, oh, in this room, falling oh, from, from the night, screaming in the night, won't you pour, pour out your spirit? i that going
0: Well, this was a fun night, yeah? Everybody have a good time, feeling refreshed, feeling good, great word, great worship. Listen, we're going to reconvene tomorrow. Um, We have a time that we need to shut things down. Um, For those who are here, uh, who have registered for tonight, um, and you want to come tomorrow, uh, hopefully, what we're going to do is kind of play it by ears. uh, Ear, I'm sorry, ears. Our church usually fills this spot um, but there are a lot of people that are out of town right now. So if you want to chance it and come, we would love to have you. Also, if you're looking for a church, we would love to have you. Um, but Corey will be bringing the word tomorrow and we're going to convene, uh, come together and, um, Dana, his wife will be leading us in worship. Uh, so come for another day of ministry, uh, and the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to Officially dismiss and have a great, safe night. We'll see you tomorrow.